You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. I am a firm believer that Benedict Cumberbatch can do no wrong. He pl- He's an English guy who plays a dragon who now plays a cowboy in Montana in 1925. We're talking about Power of the Dog. Eric, how the hell are you doing? You've challenged me. Now that you said that, I'm going to look up all of Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, career and see if there has to be, has to be something that is not up to par of the Cumberbatch scale. Oh, probably, but uh, I would challenge that he was good in them i mean that's that's what i'm saying yeah yeah and a lot of these he did voiceovers and it's one thing i'm not going to argue about benedict Benedict cumberbatch is his narration voice oh yeah very very soulful like morgan freeman the um the guy who plays his brother in this um he always plays a villain i'm sorry what was his name jesse plemons yes for an example i like jesse plemons He's great in everything. He was in El Camino, which we reviewed a few years ago. Bad movie. He was good in it. Well, he was so, good in the series. And he was he good was, in the series. He was good in the series Breaking Bad because he's an unusual character because of how dry he is. Sure. But, but he was good. It is. It's weird because he, he can be this dry person, but because it's so neutral, he can transform to which way you want him to go. Right. And I think that showed with uh, Game Night, which we definitely reviewed. We did not. Movie. We definitely reviewed it for Movie Guys Lost Somewhere. We, no. I know it. We never reviewed it. Okay, I'm not going to do this on air, but fans, you know what? I am for a second. Fans, there is this, there is this something in the ether, uh, Fugazi, if you will, right? Something that's happened for years in Movie Guys history. And, and for you guys who are listening right off the bat, Tell me I'm wrong. I'm very good on keeping archives for our show. Eric would agree with me on You this. are. Very good at keeping archives and organization and everything with our show. It's kind of a hobby. That's number one. Number two, Eric and Ed and all the other guest hosts we've had over our times have said that we have reviewed a movie called Game Night. We did. And I'm, and I'm telling them we did not. It's not anywhere. I used to keep stuff on hard drives before Google Drive was really popular in our thing. Nothing on the hard drives, nothing on flash drives, nothing on Google Drive, nothing on Dropbox, nothing. The only conclusion that I can come up with is that back in our younger days of podcasting, uh, maybe we recorded the episode, and then when we were getting ready to upload it, maybe the file got corrupted and the episode was forever lost. I don't know. But if you guys who are fans of the show – can find this game night episode i'll pay somebody 50 bucks there we go you know That's what how I, confident I am i i'm willing to even go as far as saying that we did record it or i recorded it and the the mess up was mine probably because like uh, in, in picturing what it was back then i probably recorded both you guys talking and then left me muted or it was probably my recording, but I'm just saying we did review it. I remember talking about it. I remember talking about Jesse Plemons in that movie because he was hilarious in that movie okay. in, in, in the weirdest way because of, of how dry of a character he is that we're coming back down to this movie. Yes, we are. Sorry, everybody, but that was fun. But yes, going he, back to this he is 
I, I would think almost like a, a director's uh, a kind of easy token dream there because he can he can uh, kill the tension, he can build the tension all from this dry delivery that he has. So I, I feel that he, the, the actor, Jesse Plemons, has a gift in itself to where he can kind of take away and give just by the small ticks that he does, maybe the small, uh, not even just body movements, but his noises, which aren't even words, you know, like in this movie, there's the, the tension breaking where he's just kind of rocking and he does a, a yep. And it's just it believable. It's so believable for this, for this character who's just, you know, maybe doesn't have the confidence, but is still sure in their decision. It's, I, I enjoyed this character more after the movie. No, I agree with you, and um, I will say this. I would love to see him as a leading man, like in a big Hollywood epic, you know, like a Star Wars or a Star Trek or, you know, Marvel, if you will, because I think he's good enough to hold that, uh, but I don't think he ever will be seen as that. Power of the Dog, the reason why we're reviewing this is because, well, COVID's not over with yet, folks, and we don't go to theaters that often like we used to. We're going to start going back to theaters here soon. And this was a movie that was on Netflix that was in one of the top 10 things, right? On the trending thing when you go on the Netflix app on your TV and it's in the, in the trending thing. Uh, it yeah. was there. It was there. This movie made money too. This movie uh, made well over – the movie was made for $50 million and it grossed over 200 Yeah, and it's so. also been nominated for many awards. It is, it is taking uh, a lot – of the award season i'm seeing 216 wins out of 269 nominations absolutely yeah so that that's that's a lot coming at it here um there are one two three four five nominations for oscar and then there's just that plus many more for baftas um screen actors guild no one cares about those but i mean for all the good ones too performances adapted screenplay performance actor actress uh, and sound. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to see this. I would be surprised if this movie did not win something. No, yeah. No, yeah. I'll be surprised. This movie is definitely a grown-up movie. And the reason why I say this is because my wife said about that. Uh, we were watching the movie, and after the movie, we were discussing it. And she goes, that was a grown-up movie. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, nothing happened. <laughs> and I go, okay, explain. And after she explained herself, I, I, I liked where she was going with Eric, and I'm going to kind of speak for her. It's a grown-up movie because when you're a kid or you're a teenager, maybe in early 20s, this isn't a movie for you because nothing happens if you want to say that. Um, and I'm really glad I saw this movie at my age at this point in time now because it made me appreciate the movie more, made me understand the movie more, and I could follow along with the movie. Um, if I saw this movie 10 years ago, I probably would have turned it off. Oh, 15 minutes. And you know what yeah, I'm saying? So boring, a lot, just... lot of dry filler shots of, of rolling mountain, beautiful shots, by the way, probably something that you wouldn't appreciate as a kid too. Right. Those, right. Those, not even just the, the rolling Hills, but like having the clouds kind of in the shadows, you know, just, just beautiful scenic shots as you would expect out of a movie like this. Absolutely, but it's really funny because I couldn't help to laugh. When you first start the movie, you get all the uh, you know the logos for all the different companies. Uh, a, a BBC film shot in New Zealand, so this is not man. This is not Montana, folks. I never been to Montana. I have no reason to go to Montana, so I'm just going to pretend this is what Montana looks like. <laughs> I'm just going to pretend. Could be the outback, but they also I, I don't know if they've imposed any sort of scenery shots, which they tend to do. 
for some movies, but let's just assume that this is all taken kind of on location, right? right. Uh, beautiful movie. Uh, it sets up the opening, right, of the introduction of the two characters, the brothers of um, Phil and Georgie, right? Right. And, and at a very successful dude ranch in Montana, 1925. Do you ever think of the timeline of this, by the way, too? Because I looked that up. Um, this is like less than 10 years after World War One. This is during Prohibition. And just a few years before Great Depression. I mean, this this is an interesting time period. Yeah, this time period often gets romanticized, and I don't think people understand like how savage this time was. We've seen a lot of movies now where, in this period, the slightest thing could mean your demise, as we see it in this movie too. But what was the other one we we saw? The Stephen King one, nineteen. Oh, nine. 1927? 1914? 1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-1914-
he's the guy that handles all the business of the ranch. Sure. And, you know, Phil is the is, – is like the – you know, the mud bath cowboy. So they all go to Kirsten Dunst's. And now Kirsten Dunst in this movie, she clearly has some prosthetics on, right? Because she looks horrible throughout this whole film. <laughs> You're going to, she's a fan of the show and apologize, uh, Kirsten. Uh, Jordan didn't mean to say that. You're beautiful. Uh, no, I, I did not, not mean to say that. Yes, Never mind I that, did. Kristen. I uh, take that back. He's doubling what I down. Mean, what I mean is her character. I mean, like, it, I just, Kirsten, God, I mean, it's just, no, I get it. It looked like there was a lot of, like, r- remorse weight that was, yeah. on it. you know, just like the life stress was really just, like, that smile just had 20 pounds on it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, I mean, she kind of looked like, she kind of looked like a bulldog with, like, these long, droopy jowls. Because she looks like, I mean, like, she's probably, le- she's probably younger than me or you right now. And she's just lived a life. We find out that her husband... Uh, is is dead, and he was the town doctor, I believe, pharmacist in the town. Yeah, he's a doctor. And they have this son, Peter, who 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 needs a sandwich. <laughs> I mean, this kid is skinny. He kind of reminds me of the weird kid from um, uh, Wedding Crashers. Oh, sure. He looks just like him in a way. So, like, just the way he carries himself, he looks like something out of a Tim Burton movie. He looks like he does not to be, he does not need to be in this movie. Yeah, he definitely is a, an oddly shaped uh, dude. This is a uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who uh, he's a child actor. He's been in a lot of other things that we've seen, Jordan. And really? he, yeah, he has actually just hit a growth spurt that made him this lanky dude. Um, actually, kind of good for the role. But uh, his big claim to fame was he was the kid in The Road. With uh, Viggo Morrison, don't know that one. Uh, Let me in, which was <gasps> the, the, uh, uh, oh, the American really? remake of Let the Right One In. Oh, really? That's him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was the boy oh. opposite of uh, Chloe uh, Grace Moretz. I love that film. I actually love the uh, original more, the Swedish movie version. But yeah, uh, uh, but he's been a few. He was a uh, Nightcrawler or Kurt uh, Wagner in uh, X Men Apocalypse. I didn't know that either. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's one to he's one to pay attention to. I, I think he's a good actor. He was great in the road. Never even heard of it. So. Oh, geez. Well, if you want a, a, a amazingly depressing movie that is also really really good, then um, go ahead and check. If you want to watch a movie that you never want to watch again. Well, that sounds like something like I would like because didn't you say in our group text yesterday that Jordan likes movies that have gray? <laughs> Did you make a comment about my taste in movies? Well, I didn't say gray, Jordan. I was pointing out I, I said gay because of Power of the Dog. I just like oh, I thought you said gray because I'm like, yes, that's true because I like true romance and well, Sarah didn't. So those are my kind of movies. <laughs> no, I was making a point that, that just like Jordan okay. watches movies. He goes, you know what? There needs to be more Brokeback. In this movie, and that's okay. why you suggested Power of the Dog. He's like, yes, now my kind of movie. But no, uh, uh, The Road has all-star cast. It's, you know, one of those movies that it's like the greatest movies you never want to watch again. Sure. It's okay. it's it's emotionally draining. Lot, so many actors in it, though, and I think um, if you've not seen it, I, I think anyone, you would be delighted to see it. It's it's an award-winning movie. It's um, powerhouse. Okay. But but again, he's, he's in it a lot shorter than... Obviously, this movie. Right, right. Yep. So, get into the town here. Everybody's eating at the inn. This is Kirsten Dunst's house slash kitchen slash hotel. 
and everybody's rude and loud, obnoxious, and uh, even uh, Phil, Benedict Cumberbatch, she's just telling people to stop playing the piano, you know, just just a jerk. And uh, eventually, his brother falls in love with Kirsten Dunst. Were they already lovers before? Was this all a ruse? No, I, I feel almost that uh, in this part, the reason why I like this movie and why I'm thinking, I find myself thinking about this movie more like after I've seen it. Like days after I find myself thinking, because every character has their own thing going on and everything's there. You just have to look for it. With George, Jesse Plemons' character, uh, I think that what he wants is to be best for his parents. He wants to be the one where the torch is passed on to. He right. lives in the shadow of his brother because he knows that his brother is is better than he is in so many different ways. He's more educated. He's, he's uh, well, more respected. He uh, seems to be uh, smarter than he is, too, um, as they later on talk about his accomplishments and and what he's you know what we've learned later on about phil that we don't know now right and i think about right now yeah yeah, and i think that george really is in the shadow of his brother and he wants to try to step up and in order to do that in the social world that he is in in this class world that he is in excuse me he wants to have a wife who um is maybe somewhat attractive and in kind of be the socialite that he thinks he ought to be. And I don't know if maybe he just felt bad for her or if he... I, I, this was a confusing thing, their relationship, uh, Rose and George's relationship, is because I, I don't think that she was after his money at all. I think that she just wanted a, a presence, like, right? A, I don't a, think she was after him at all. She didn't look happy once. You're right. And I don't think the, she was, yeah, she just, Eric, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no, no, not no, even a right. presence. I mean, I don't even think she wants some presence. I think she's just, she's so hurt. We find out later about the death of the husband, but at this point in time, at, at this point in the movie, uh, she just goes with the flow because to me, she is a walking corpse throughout this whole movie. And I mean that, I agree. literally. Like she just, whatever, you know, just, just gonna happen. You know, that's just kind of the idea. Um, and, I, and I like her character for that because it's like there has to be some hope. Well, I think she, it was just one of those where she was after this restaurant scene where Phil comes in and completely just, uh, you know, just controls everything. It makes everyone just feel uh, just unwelcome, cold. You know, he's he's that one that sucks all the joy out of the room. But right. damn it all, he's going to get it done and in. He is this presence, you know. He's like a Darth Vader, where he walks into the room, you hear it, you hear the spurs, boom, boom. You know, you you can see the dust. You can, you know, you the story is right there on the man's sleeve, and I, I liked that. But because of that, his actions have this this ripple effect. Rose felt so drained and bad about everything because of how she was treated, how her son was treated. You know, she's she's a host and she's trying to be trying to make it, trying to live. And this is the best of what happens here. It's horrible. And I guess if George was her her white knight, she thought like, oh, this is about as good as it's going to get. I might as well just take it. 
Right, right, right. Which is why I'm saying this is a corpse, because you would have to know into the situation that you're getting into. This guy, Phil, scares me. He's like a vampire. He sucks the life out of me. So why would I even attempt to marry his brother at this point? Like, why? Because he's going to be my brother-in-law. But marriage ends up happening, and they move back to the family ranch into a mansion. Oh, my so, God. I did look this up, and I guess they go into detail about in the book. Is that in 1925 in this ranch in Montana, their their revenue annually was around a half a million dollars. In 1925, Whoa. so uh, that for inflation this today, I guess that'd be like a, a millions. You know, they're they're doing great, and a lot of that is because well, their parents had acquired the ranch and they were doing you know another business, right? Just another thing that they were doing and making money. But then it really took off because of Bronco Henry and Phil. Uh, I guess it really shows in the book that Phil knows his stuff and that the ranch is um, almost having to owe all of its fortune at this point because of Phil. Because this dude runs a tight ship, he knows where everything goes, who's doing what, when they're doing it, he's got a system. So I, I think that they didn't show that as much in the movie. They tried to, but that um, this is a this is a well-oiled machine, and Phil's lubing it up. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to save my that was nice. I'm going to save my comment about uh, their uh, wealth uh, as we get later in the film, not just yet. They don't really talk about it. Well, I want to save it because because what we find out that I think is a, is a huge character moment uh, for Phil. Yes, and, yes, and I want to save that for later. But we get we get uh, talked about to this phantom character. We never see this phantom character. It's all in passing. This character has died. Bronco Henry, who used to run the ranch with Phil, right? Like he was like Phil's right hand dude. Right, Batman and Robin kind of thing. Well, uh, he was he was the older, right? Like he was the elder. Yeah, okay. yeah, he was the Batman, and Phil was the Robin. Okay, and 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 these two just ran the ranch together, and Bronco Phil died. Before I go <laughs> Bronco on, Henry. <laughs> Bronco Henry, sorry, Bronco Henry. Thank you for correcting me. Did they say how Bronco Henry died? Before I go on, I in the book it was it was an accident. It was, it was something. An accident. Yeah, it okay. was not some sort of like uh, a. Yeah, it wasn't some sort of prolonged thing. Apparently, it was an accident. Right, but everybody, all the ranchers, everybody's talking this guy up. This guy was awesome. Bronco Henry's great. And I was like, oh, who's this Bronco Henry character? What I like about this movie is that they set up this phantom character, and then you forget about it. And then every so often, a character starts talking about it again and talking about it again until later, you know, a, a, a reveal of Bronco Henry comes out but um at the time i'm just like who is this guy who is this guy um also during this time uh george right uh george thinks uh, thinks it's a good idea to introduce uh the governor and the wife to the house for dinner so that's what i wanted to talk about real quick is about their money um they have money these boys came from money phil and, and george they're their parents had money. Yes, their parents came from from money, and I think I, I was looking over the the notes. I'm actually intrigued to get look at the book a bit more because there's a lot more detail that goes into it. I All think right. the parents had either bought the ranch from Bronco Henry or they had 
bought the ranch and then hired him or because of him or something like that. Uh, go ahead. Uh, no, 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 no. You're, you're fine because that that's stalling me even more because of what I really want to talk about. But, but, but they, guess- yeah, but they are the, the, the East coast, you know, city suit wearing people. They, gotcha. they are not country folk. They are the white gloved black tie people. Gotcha. The parents, so, the, the old gent and um, the old lady, is that what they called them? Hey, yeah, the old gent, the old lady. And I also love how they talk about their parents. Like their parents are not even their parents. You know, maybe maybe it's just because of the time period. Maybe that's how it is. Uh, two people have kids. Those kids grow up. Those people don't see their kids at all. Like it's just nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little bit different. Not like nowadays where we have a different relationship with our parents like these guys. You know what I mean? Like, hell, I was at a bar drinking a beer last night with some friends, and my dad showed up. So, you know, it's like that won't happen in this movie. Um, I also want to talk about, again, Kirsten Dunst. Phil didn't not, Phil did not strike her. Phil did not push her. Phil uh, did not hurt her son. Why is Phil such a vampire to her to get her to start drinking? Like, what is he really doing? That's making her go down this path. The fearful, right? Is that, I mean, she's fearful of, of the unknown because. But he hasn't done anything. No, I guess he just makes her feel cold. And, and, you know, he made her and her son cry. Like he takes in, in an age, 1925, where you're not supposed to be this crass towards someone, right? You're, you're supposed to just, you know, thank you, ma'am. You know, your P's and Q's, right? Right. You know, you, you come and you go and, you know, you think, you know, I don't want any trouble and you you move on out. Where Phil is is seems to be taking the extra effort to attack these people as they show them good grace. Like, again, we introduce, we introduce these people as they are being hospitable, serving, you know, uh, uh, cleaning up the place, serving them food, taking the time to present a, a, a table display, making those flowers. You know, a lot of that, and all that is met with just anger. E- yeah, exactly. With just just rudeness. I, I don't want to say evil because it really wasn't evil. It was just a disguise. It was you know, just you know malice, just coming right back at you, saying no, spit in your face. I don't want it. And just like, geez, you're a cold person. And I feel that probably it goes more into the book as it almost always does. Those fearful moments of Phil in his presence. Probably more moments like that that happen maybe in the house or on the property or or wherever where uh, Rose or Peter are just trying to acclimate to their new life and they keep on just getting, you know, their their feet kicked from underneath them by Phil at at every angle. We get to see it with uh, maybe like Rose, for example, the piano scene. Yeah, right. Yeah, because he kind of tortures her when she's playing the piano. She's trying to get the uh, the notes right, and then he just, with no effort, plays it on the banjo. Yeah, I, um, yeah. I feel like this is her torture too, because I feel like it's it's almost both brothers. Well, that's the thing. Okay, so actually, I want to talk about that scene since you brought that up. I wasn't going to, but since you brought it up, originally I thought this was going to be a sweet moment, meaning that she's struggling. He knows the song. So he's gonna play the uh, the notes, the beat on the on the banjo for her to kind of follow along. I thought that too. 
But then, no, that's not at all what happens then, is it? Like, he's straight up saying, you don't know this song. You know, uh, I'm better than you on everything that I do. That's how I took it after that scene. That's what I originally thought. I thought it was supposed to be a sweet, uh, wholesome moment. Um, also, so when they get married, when Rose and George gets married, they send Peter to boarding school or to college? Because he wants to be in medical field. He wants to be a surgeon. So is he in a boarding school or he's in college? He's... He's going to get education. Okay, so he's staying at college. Yeah, it's not the way we know it, but uh, university. But... What he's he's going to pursue his education somewhere. Right. Well, now he's on summer break, if you will, and he comes back and he's living with the ranch, and we get some interesting things. So um, we get a very <laughs> can't see it with a straight face because I didn't see it coming. Um, Everybody keeps on talking about Bronco Henry, Bronco Henry this, Bronco Henry that. And then uh, Benedict Cumberbatch decides that he's going to uh, go out into the uh, creek and pull out a scarf, lay in the meadow with Bronco Henry's scarf and masturbate with the scarf. Sure. I mean, it's no, I mean, would you rather it be a peach from call me by your name? Well, the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because I, I find this very shorthand, and I found it very stupid. And the reason why is because uh, one of Gina's uh, – Gina's my wife, uh, for all the people uh, that don't know. Uh, one of her guilty pleasure movies is 40 Days and 40 Nights. That's like a guilty pleasure of hers. And, and Josh Hartnett? Yeah, Josh Hartnett. And the movie's fine. It's, it's just your stupid you know, early 2000s rom-com, if you will. Um, but the movie makes me giggle every single time when um, he makes her have uh, a climax release by a flower touching her skin. Oh yeah, and that kind of brought me back. So when it was it was the wrong response, maybe. But when Benedict Cumberbatch was doing this with the scarf, it brought me back to that moment, and I started to giggle like, "Oh my god, <laughs> really?" Um, <laughs> I was like, wow, that was shocking. I mean, like, did you know at this point that this is what was going on? Or are you just like, dude, this really likes the scarf. What did you think during this? Well, because uh, before this, too, we get little peaks, right? His uh, his willingness to stay outside and not go in to, like, be in the woods and, you know, take a mud bath and uh, kind of just... just be in the a sacred spot almost all the time because we see that he goes to lengths to go to this little special spot and to with this scarf these are the 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 little parts that we get to see of who phil really is and this is where the movie i think shines is because we are introduced to all these characters but as the movie continues we get to see the every single character is almost like their true self. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because for, why for the main the, four? Yeah, right. Because why this is going on, Peter's strumming around the woods and he finds this little tiny hut. I mean, a really hut. You have to like get on your hands and knees to crawl in there. And I don't he think finds it was a hut. I think it was just like a, like a, you know, a passage, like a little okay, hidden, sure. hidden yeah. cove. But, but it's but it's small enough to where like I mean like you can't stand up there you can't kneel you have to be on your hands and knees and crawl in there, and he finds a bunch of uh, naked men magazines which I didn't know existed especially at that period of time. 
Um, so that is alluding. Okay, so the way I took this. Oh, Peter, you know what? You're 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 right, Jordan. That that little part was to Phil's little porn stash. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, see, now that's what I'm getting at. Is that I have a, I have a few questions. And these are legitimate questions. One is is Phil actually gay? Two, um, if he is gay, and he goes to this meadow by the creek. Uh, is this him and Brocko Henry's spot? Like, like, is this where they made up to have a an evening romp? Um, because we don't actually see him do anything really sexual with the scarf. No, there's just a lot of a lot of tones for it, which seemed to be popular for the writer director of this movie, uh, Jane Campion, who's uh, done that with other uh, movies. People uh, might know her from The Piano. That was probably the big one. Oh, that's what's and, her face. And in the nineties, Rogue was in that a, a young un, up and coming Rogue from X Men. Yeah, uh, yeah. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin, thank you. But also, too, the reason why I'm I'm just saying this, right? Because I'm just I'm trying to tear this movie apart. Uh, Peter just finds naked dude magazine porn stash. There's no Bronco Henry to that, is there? There's no Phil's name to that. I mean, he just finds it, or was there indication that it belonged to Phil or Bronco Henry? No, I think it was just just some some nudie some but there were there were men and there was a woman in there too. So I think it was just kind of like uh well, what he could get, really. And right, even right. even then they had the pictures had like fig leaves on them and it just showed kind of just the form of the human body rather than it being some sort of They've got like science magazines. Yeah, kind, kind you know of, I mean? kind of like yeah. It's it not supposed to be anything sexual, but who knows? Maybe that's how it was done back then. But yeah, is it is it meant to suggest that that Phil is is gay? Who knows? That's that's fine because at the same part, it could just be that he looked up to Bronco Henry um, in such a in such a light that it, he, I don't know, maybe grew romantic feelings for him or maybe the other part of it too that bronco henry groomed phil completely and maybe this is the other part of it too where phil feels like because of that he can groom peter maybe because the thing is the reason why i think i think i think phil being gay is a big big deal for this movie because then this gives us even more detail the character because not literally the scene later but i want to talk about this a lot is you find out in an argument or a confrontation that 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 Phil went to Yale, yeah, and he has a degree. Yep. And I forgot what the degree was in, but it wasn't something to shine your nose at. Like it was, it was, it was a degree. Yeah. Uh, that uh, that Phil is an accomplished uh, collegiate and and sissy boy. Well, that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Is is this cowboy Phil? really deep down Phil or is this just this Ivy League yuppie Phil because clearly this is how they got the ranch because nobody especially in the 1920s sent their kids to Yale if they didn't have money so I'm like I'm like were these kids born with silver spoons who's the real Phil and I don't get the answer in this movie at the end of it and I'm really curious about that well can I give you my uh, interpretation actually that's what I'm asking yeah I, um I'm Took me a while to think about this, but I believe that no, this is not. This is not true, Phil. This is what Phil thinks is true, Phil. 
this is what he comes to know as what his his true self is because his true self came out this way through Bronco Henry. We find out through the movie that even though his upbringing was posh and he had all of you know the things given to him and provided for him, he was the same age as Peter when he got to that ranch and that same cycle happened then where he was then broken in by Bronco Henry uh, ranch style. Not, well, that doesn't sound any better. You know what I mean? Like he, <laughs> he, he was uh, worked in, he knew how to ride, knew how to do ranch hand things uh, through Bronco Henry. And I think because of that, it allowed him, and again, through Bronco Henry, because maybe he was uh, also uh, gay as well too. It allowed him to kind of express this true self of him his his actual self, his closeted self to Bronco Henry, and he was afraid to do that maybe in any other life. So because he saw comfort in being able to be his true gay self, Phil, uh, as this this cowboy, he he went all into it. He huh, he yeah. wore it, you know, and he wore it is is a few things because he saw that Bronco Henry could use it as a disguise. He could challenge people. He could push people back. Like, no, I'm not me. You get the hell out of here, you know, and use that as a, as a weapon rather than it being a weakness. But there was a big part in this movie, I thought, um, with Peter. There's a part where they were on the trail of some sort and they were walking up. And Peter was walking through the hand ranch camp to go look at a bird's nest. And as he was walking through that, he was being catcalled by all the ranch hands, you know, whistling, yes. you know, things like that. And very much hazing him for for being who Looking. he is. Right. Yeah. Miss Nancy and all that, all the other names that you want to call it. But Peter doesn't, is not bothered by it. He doesn't care. He just goes because he wants to go look at this bird nest. I don't care what the, these people are doing. I'm here for me. I'm going to look at this bird nest. And I think that Phil saw that and realized, oh, oh, you you can be this way without having to disguise it. Like, there's a confidence in this person, Peter, who is able to live this life that I want to live without shame. Okay, so then with that, because I, cause, because I have a question for you then, something my wife brought up. But before I ask the question, I want to say where we're kind of going Phil decides to take Peter as his right-hand man, and he's going to show him how to ranch, right? right. And um, they go to this little hut, and a, a rabbit scurries away underneath all these logs. They take all the logs, find the rabbit. Rabbit breaks its leg by doing so, and then uh, Phil's like, you got to take it out of its misery. And then with one simple stroke, Peter snaps its neck murderously in a way kind of kind of just nonchalant and phil the camera goes to phil kind of takes a step back like huh so why all this is going on he's teaching phil my question to you is the way my wife sees this is that she said that this is phil's way of getting back at rose because he hates her so much that he thinks the greatest vengeance for some reason this is my wife's opinion um is to make her son just like him i don't see that I ah. see it. I don't see that at all. I see it that that Phil it wants to be Bronco Henry to Peter. You know, I mean, I think. Oh that, yeah, I, I, I think see I that. Think that's what it is. I, I, and I see that as well. I think that we're as the viewer, we're supposed to see that. But I think that's that's great that Gina pointed that out because I think that that is Rose's plight. That is her challenge. This entire movie, it, that's her delusion. 
you know, is that she's was open to coming here. She now regrets coming here. She regrets that she has to bring her son here. And now she sees that the person that she is most fearful of, that she hates, is now taking her son. Basically, the only thing that is hers in this entire right. ranch and everything away from her. And she deeps more and more into the bottle. I, I think that that's just where her story is, is, you know, she's just caught up in this, in this, I don't want to call it delusion because she has every right to feel that way. It's just that everything is just so, there's no communication anywhere. So she has nothing else to believe other than, well, I, I guess it is delusions. Well, okay. So then I, I guess kind of split hairs here. What do you think? I mean, do you, do you, do you agree with Gina's? point do you agree with my point do you see a little bit of both that oh. he that he that finds him sexually attractive but also wants to turn him into him i i think that maybe one started but then the other fueled yeah i think i think that it started out as vengeance kind of thing and then i and then i think it started to be love especially at the end with the shared cigarette yeah i i that's probably would be with that but that's the other part is why I think that these four characters, uh, Phil, Rose, George, and, and Peter, where we've talked about how they started out and, and how they ended up. They Everyone goes on a journey here, and I'm open to talk about it because everyone has a different opinion about it. And that's why I think uh, this movie is is lasting as long as it did in my, in my head because you can look at it from different angles and be like, oh, well, that makes sense. Oh, well, that makes sense. Even the little things about um, Phil looking at the at the mountains right. and him seeing something that no one else saw, kind of like yeah. their, their little gaydar test. Yeah, it was like it was <laughs> – that's funny. I didn't think of it that way, but that's interesting. I don't mean to say it's funny meaning like that. I'm like, wow, I never thought of that because, yeah, because he sees uh, this the shadow of a dog, uh, a big dog. It's on the face of a mountain. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's a dog. But uh, that's very interesting, Eric, that you said that. <laughs> it was a little joke of what, of what I said. No, because... It's a joke, but it's but that that's interesting because nobody – he even said – Philbin says, what did you say? And then Peter's like, that's a dog. Nobody sees that but me. Yeah. That is, that's quite interesting, Eric. That's really good. It was um, – I, I joke about it saying Gator, but I, I understand what they're trying to say. It, it's showing perspective. It's showing that – in, in a world where, in this world, where so many people are thinking on, you know, on the right side of the brain that there are few people who think with the left, you know, just right. kind of that analogy, not not to say that there's any truth, but that there are other people who can see the world differently. And right. that was a big part of it, too. I think that's a big tone in this movie as well, is that we see things, something on the surface from all the, from everything in this movie, but it forces you to look at the other the other ways to look at it like there's yeah so many other different lenses to to view this movie through and right that scene i well, think was a good way of showing it well i see one lens that was kind of screw up was uh, was when uh, peter decided to go off on his own and he stumbles upon this uh, this dead cow and he decides to cut into it and i'm like oh because there's a scene prior that we didn't talk about that he's that he's going to school to be a surgeon and he finds a bunny kills it disembowels it to study you know, and figure out all of its. That was parts a different rabbit. He he captured the rabbit. Yeah, ca yeah, I know, but that was. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, gave it, gave it to his mom as a present, I think. Right, right, right. And then the maid came in and and she was like, "Oh my god, yeah, totally cool." But so he 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 finds this cow, and I'm just like, "Oh my god!" Right? The, the, this kid is vicious. This kid is sick, in my opinion. And Gina says, "No, no, no. He's he's studying. He's learning." I was like, "No, this kid's sick." Now, way in the beginning of the movie, there's something going on that I didn't know existed. Call me naive. Um, but, uh, there was a scene where I think it was Phil and the guys held down a steer and, and removed his testicles. Castrated. Yes. Castrated. Thank you. Couldn't say the word. Um, and all the ranchers are like, you're not wearing gloves. Aren't you afraid of anthrax? He's like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't touch dead cat. 1500. You don't catch your 1500 cattle and I, whatever the hell worry about a cut or Something like that. Yeah, I don't know anthrax. I thought anthrax, truly, honestly, I thought anthrax was something that people used in chemical warfare that was made in the lab. I didn't know that it was natural from cattle. I didn't know that. He had also said, what, that there are three reasons why a cattle going down. One would be like a hunter, like in like a a pack of, you know, something. Right. Grabbing it. Uh, anthrax and then... Something else, right? Black leg, or is that the same thing? Like, did you know that anthrax was a thing? But I mean, no, I, I didn't. I did, did not you know the that same it was. Thing I did. It was one of those where, like, okay, I'll take your word for it. Like, I'm not going to look it up. But yeah, I, I it, generationally, like, we're we know what anthrax is what being a a mailed, uh, powdered killer that was sent to all the yes. politicians in the 90s, right, or something. Like That's that. what I thought. I didn't know. I thought it was made in a lab, but. Anyway, so here's here's Peter starting to cut up this 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 cow and was like that kid's messed up. <laughs> then we start getting into uh, Phil's obsession with hides. Uh, there's this there's this Native American father and son. They they're trying to trade or or buy sell. Uh, Drunken Rose comes out and says, "Take all the hides," and they say, "Here's our gloves." And she loves them. She falls uh, drunk and she's all messed up. And that was hard for me to understand this, so that's why I was interested to talk to you about this. What was Phil's obsession with the hides? So normally he doesn't care about the hides. Uh, I, I think that's what it was. But is it this particular instance where he had already established or somewhat established a relationship with Peter? Yes. Saying that uh, the rope making was going to be their thing. Mm -hmm. And so normally... Uh, Phil doesn't care about the hides, but in this instance, he does because he would use them to make the rope or to, to do further projects with Peter. Okay. So he wanted those, uh, and maybe he saw those as an excuse to continue his his uh, tutelage to you know to Peter. Right. Okay. Also, um, I'm also checked out with Rose at this point. I thought uh, there's no character development with her. Um, I thought that the drinking at this point was kind of a kind of a, kind of a sham, I guess is the word, because the movie didn't show us that she was drinking that much. All they did was show us that she hid stuff in the back of closets and here and there. Not, I mean, like not everything she was drinking. I, I just found it to be uh, annoying at this point uh, when she fell, when she passed out. Yeah, she didn't have much of a purpose in this movie other than to kind of show despair of how 
scary Phil was and how, um, I don't know, how negligent George was. Yeah. Like, this, I mean, this yeah. dude does not care. He just, he got Rose, right? Because she was just a blonde trophy piece, right? Uh, maybe. See, that's the thing is that I don't think I don't think that he thinks of her like that. I don't think that he thinks of her as property. I think he generally loves her, but I think he has his head so far up his own butt that he can't see exactly what is going on. He can't even he doesn't even know the true story that one night between his brother, Phil and Bronco Henry. Phil has never told him that story. Yeah. I so it's like. I mean, he just has his head so far up his butt. He doesn't see what's going on two inches from his face. I mean, could, so well, that's my period with him. I agree. That's my issue. I, I just think that George was so – yeah, you're right. Just just focused on – Where was George? Throughout the majority of this movie, where was George? Just it became the – you know? He was politic, and I think he was really trying to – whether it be the governor, I think he was just trying to show for his parents. Even like the train scene, you know, where he picked him up from the parents and like, oh, here's my wife. And he all the way in the back. He didn't walk up to the parents with her. He's all right. the way in the back, just kind of, you know, meek and and dressed up, kind of wearing the same thing. I, yeah. I, I He used her as a token. I, I, I really do – feel that and and maybe he wanted to tell himself that he was in love with her or something but it really just seemed like he was using her for what he thought would be his best uh gain uh using her for the piano was um a good case of that well i wish i would have got a little bit more from george's past then maybe we could have something to where um he has tried to wed women in the past and it just doesn't work out because of whatever situation and he i would i would i would like that more and i would i would stomach that more that he's using her as a token because well this is it like this is the bottom of the barrel she's not the kind of prize i'm looking for because she's clearly the way she carries herself the way she dresses the way she looks uh is not at all what he actually is really looking for but that goes with the theme of of the movie of the actual quote Right at the proverb at the end. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, okay. So let's get more into it here. Um, so while uh, the rabbit scene happens uh, the second time, and Peter kills the rabbit, uh, Phil cuts his hand. And at the end of the movie, we have Phil and we have Peter in the barn. And since the hides have been sold or given away. Um, Peter says to Phil, hey, I have one more left. Here you go. And he starts twiddling to make the rope. And all of a sudden, I put two and two together. Once he puts, once Phil puts his hands into the water or vinegar or whatever that was, and we see uh, the cut on his hand, I'm like, oh, I think Peter did something. Um, and then they share a cigarette romantically, kind of. Like yeah. they like, sh like look at each other's eyes. And we find out the true story that it was a cold night, a snowy night, and it was Bronco, Henry, and Phil. And to keep warm, they stripped down naked and they held each other. That doesn't mean they had sex, right? You know, it, again, it it doesn't matter if if they I think were physical or not. Like the intimacy was there, right? Like the. The emotion was passed. Matter. If you, if, well, then in that case, I think they say it without saying. If you want them to, then 
then let that be in your head. It doesn't, I don't think it matters. I think it's supposed to be some symbolic of it. Uh, if you want to make it seem like, you know, he said that we, we laid in the hay, you know, kind of like a, as, as a term of them while well, saying it, you know, without saying it. Well, it's just the reason why the, the reason why I'm getting, um, I don't know if I'm getting passionate is the word about it, but the reason why I want them to straight out to say, yeah, we had sex. is just because I really think that, uh, that, that Phil's played peekaboo cowboy here. Like this guy went to Yale. Maybe I'm stereotyping here, but I don't know too many Yale guys that go out and take mud baths in the middle of Montana and become ranchers. You know what I mean? Like, Again, like, this is this is kind of the going back to the actual whole theme of the movie and, and what each four of the characters are doing, um, and and how it ends with that that psalm. Okay, all right. Well, then at the end of the movie, uh, we find out uh, that that Phil is getting really sick, and uh, the wound is looking horrible, and they and they take him to the doctor, and he dies of anthrax. You put two and two together that. Actually, Peter was not messed up in the head. He saw that dead cow. He decided to use that dead cow's hide as a chance to roll the dice that that cow could have anthrax to get back at Phil for torturing his mother, Rose. So essentially, Peter kills Phil. Do you like that reveal? Now, I it's a good reveal because it took you a while to be like, oh, like, oh, the slow play type of thing. But then I, I started to think, was it intentional? I think so. I I I wonder if it, it probably goes more into the book into the book that it probably was, or that you know, like there was some he some closure in that too. That has to, right? Well, yeah. I I I would agree. Yes, only because, and I was talking about this the other day, is because the final action. And this is really why I feel so so horribly bad for Phil. And I hate that I do, but at the same time I do, is that as this man is dying, the last thing that he wants to do is gift the rope that he was making to Peter. You know, you know be like, here, you know, this is our relationship. This is his last, his last and maybe only act of love, Phil, that is. And Peter's response is that he looks at the rope and, and tucks it underneath his bed, right? Just, whoosh, just right underneath right. there, with gloves on because it's infected with anthrax. Yeah, so that's a. You're right, Jared. You probably did kill it. And uh, man, like what a. Just remember that though, because remember Phil didn't wear gloves when they did the castration, and then Peter purposely put gloves on. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, the director decided to not oh, yeah. move the camera to put gloves to, uh, to, to not kill, but to uh, take apart that cow. And then he had gloves on again to put the rope underneath his bed. So this was clearly thought out. This was clearly revenge. Uh, Peter should go down as one of the greatest slasher killers of all time. I don't know. Like, I mean, and plus the movie tells us for those people that didn't get it at this point, the last scene of the movie is him smile, smiling vividly, villously, 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 whatever. You know, he has that big Joker smile through the window as, as as his mom and George walk back into the house. So that's clearly, clearly this was all a, a thought-out plan. And I thought that was great. Yeah. I thought it, it was really good. It did a it really did a good job of um of taking you down one and and finishing off with another. Like I, I, I did not expect that to happen. I agree. So let's get into it, Eric. Let's get into our popcorn ratings. 
We always go with you first here, bud. What is your popcorn rating for the power of the oh, dog? It's I'm almost torn here. I almost asked, I want to ask you to go, go first just because like, yeah, like it's, it's the more and more I think about it, that's just it. I'm okay. thinking, I think about it more and more. Um, I think this movie's a large. I, I'll just go for it right there. I mean, like, I when uh, when a buddy of mine at work asked me what I thought, I said a large, and they were like, "What you? This movie? Yeah. Look, I may like some of the movies that I like, and they're pretty obvious the kind of movies that I like. But I'm not. I'm no simp. You know, I like. <laughs> <laughs> I did go to film school. I understand art. It's a deep when movie. See it. Yes. Right. Um, I think this movie is great. I think this movie demands your attention. I had a buddy last night at the bar said, uh, well, maybe I should watch this movie. And I said, dude, it's 10 o'clock. This is not the time to see it. Go home and watch Star Trek. You know, like yeah. this movie, this movie demands, uh, demands your attention. Um, this is not a movie that you get up and go to the bathroom with. Um, the movie's very dry, very boring. But then again, I like those movies. Blade Runner is one of my favorite films, the original. Um, so, I thought the, it was well acted. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, I mean, I believed her. I got annoyed at the end, but I believed her. She just looked pathetic. We also didn't talk about this. The reason why she looks pathetic is we find out from Peter that he walked in on his dad uh, hanging. His dad killed himself. Yeah. His dad wasn't drunk, and that's why Kirsten Dunst didn't drink. But she didn't. You know, Now she is. So all these little things. Uh, I thought the reveal of Bronco Henry was very clever. I thought it was very clever. Um, and I like, you know, Benedict Bender, Cumberbatch can do it, bud. I mean, he he he, he did a good job. And uh, I hated Peter. I didn't like Peter at all throughout the whole movie. Kind of felt like those ranchers in a way just making fun of him because this is some kid out of a Tim Burton movie. What is he doing here? Um, but then I'm giving it a large just because of his villainous. Like, oh, my God. I mean, he, without – this was cold. This was calculated. I mean, this straight up is a murder. Yeah. And there's no remorse about it whatsoever. So I found that kind of interesting too. And so this movie for me, I think it's a large bag. I think it's the best movie we've seen so far this year in 2022. It's something that you need to watch, but you have to be in the mood for it. So a large bag for me. So how about you? What is your popcorn rating for Power of the Dog? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to agree. And the big part of it, that rep, and we didn't even talk about the little details of this too, like uh, like Peter in in the comb, uh, you know his his oh, yeah. nervous tick of him doing that. Someone pointed out online that the comb when he did it, it sounded like a rope stretching, kind of like uh, reminiscent of his of his dad hanging, you know, kind of on one of those. I don't know if that, if that might be a stretch. I don't know if that's, oh, that's cool though from the book, or I don't know if that's. But I thought it was a cool thing. That's to, cool. Um, the tone of the, the whole thing in the movie, uh, the quote uh, is what uh, I pulled it up here. Hold on. Uh, Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Uh, basically, it's just uh, uh, praying uh, to whoever that uh, your uh, insecurities and, 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 you know, things that make you question your, your value go away. That, you know, you are delivered from the triumphs of, of uh, your, your enemies, I guess. You know, those people who... Uh, um, who torment you, who taunt you, you know, your enemies. And th that's figuratively too, so it doesn't have to be Phil. You know, it could be uh, your, well, your uh, orientation, like F Phil was doing, you know? Sure. So yeah. 
everyone had had kind of their own thing to overcome. Rose had Phil to overcome. Phil had his sexuality to overcome. George had his parents. I'm going to go with that to overcome, you know, the approval that maybe he wanted from them like they gave to maybe Phil. Because the governor and all of them would constantly be, oh, well, where's Phil? Where's Phil? We don't care about you, George. We want Phil. So, like, his challenge into that. Or Peter's, what would Peter overcome here? I guess Phil as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, clearly he, he was one left standing, right? Yeah. So there's this movie came from many different angles. You could view it from many different uh, parts. And I think you get a equal but similar, uh, equal but different story in each part. Um, where everyone has their own path, but it's obviously uh, the same branch of the, uh, or a different branch of the same tree. I, I just liked how everything tied into to, to one another. Sure. One house, many stories going on in one house. I, um, I like that there was a lot of depth to these characters too, is that the more, uh, as it continued, we learned more about these characters, how it should be, uh, through minimal action. You know, we learn more about maybe Bronco Henry just by um, Peter interacting with Phil rather than someone explaining it to you who he was. So I little bits about that. The imagery was great. Um, everything about it really just made yeah. me think. So, yeah, I, I have to go with the large bag as well. It Yeah, great film. It really, it really was. And for those, like, thinking... It was nowhere near like like Brokeback style with that. I it's think not it even was. Close. I think it was more about these people finding themselves you know, than it being about some sort of sexual thing. Um, it's in there, sure, but I think it's just more. It speaks more to to a human endeavor than it being one person's social plight. Well, to be honest with you, Eric, I mean, I want to make this very clear. This has nothing at all remotely not even the same sport or ballpark as Brokeback. Brokeback's its own thing. I mean, the only comparison people say is, oh, guy could be possibly gay and a cowboy. No, it's this is nothing. Everything that you just said is 100% true. This is about people finding themselves, and I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would. The trailer did not sell me on it. I was like, oh, let's get a couple beers in. Let's get going, you know. But, hey, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a movie to see. Check it out. I think it's a large bag. Again, you have to be in the mood. But we hope you're in the mood to download our episodes every single week, every Thursday. When you wake up to go to work, we are there with a new episode. So make sure to check us out at movieguyspodcast.podbean.com. Go to any podcast platform where you get your podcast from. We are on, and we'll be back next week for another awesome episode. Have a good night.